It's a crock pot. bad for Tiger. He finally had a good day today. He went three under today after back-to-back -back shaky days. Is he just like, I mean, I know this is a decade old discussion, but like, are we, like, I just want to see it for a weekend, just one weekend. Just uh, throw it back. If you're going to get a weekend of Tiger, like a weekend of classic Tiger, it's probably going to be at Augusta. Yeah. Is it just a course he knows really well, a course that he plays well. I've been telling you, I've been telling you this for a few years that the people in my family who know golf have been saying Tiger is done. There's like the injuries that he sustained and the amount of them and the way that you have to fix them and the way that back problems basically end golf careers. Uh, it just doesn't look good for him ever becoming like a real threat to be a number one golfer like that ever again. Did you yeah. listen to Phil Mickelson in the booth at all? No. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a weirdo. Like, Phil Mickelson's just strange. Yeah. So. Oh, more baseball COVID news. The entire Pittsburgh and St. Louis series that's supposed to start tomorrow has been canceled. So St. Louis is going to go like a week and a half without playing. They, oh, haven't, play they, they haven't played since July 29th. They'll figure it out. Uh, like I said, I think baseball still may ha might have a week or two. Uh, because so far it's only those two teams, right? I haven't. Yeah, really and, and they're getting yet. it under control. Nothing new is coming out. This is just more Cardinals players getting it. So yeah. they are figuring it out as it goes. I'm just happy it's the Pittsburgh St. Louis series. I'm just happy it's not the Pittsburgh players because then we'd be finding out right now that there's probably some Tigers players who have it. We yeah. already got screwed by the Cardinals going to the casino. So is that what happened? They went to the casino and then they, is that why Manfred was talking about like, they need to be more responsible? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that like, makes sense to me. I, I think I might agree with them. Yeah. I mean, you can like, that is the worst place. I feel like you could go. It is. Yeah. We talked about, I'm going to say the exact same thing I said about Vegas on the show two weeks ago. You go to a casino to touch things that other people have already touched. That's all you do there. So it's just, it. it's just, it's such like an immature decision for teammates to be like, we're going to the casino tonight. You have two months of regular season baseball. Yeah. You're getting paid. Like, I don't ever pull this card with athletes because you get paid based on how, how hard you are to replace. But you are getting paid millions of dollars a year. You cannot go to a casino for two months. Like, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. Yes, I but agree. You want to talk about uh, NBA awards? Sure, let's talk about some NBA awards. Cool. So the finalists were finally announced uh, for the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Um, now, there's some of these that I think are pretty easy picks uh, that everybody is pretty much on the same page except for some diehard stands of certain players. Um, there it is. Beautiful. Uh, so we'll start with the MVP. Well, no, you know what? Let's start with the Rookie of the Year. Um so, obviously, you have John Morant, who has been absurd this year. He has been amazing. You have Kendrick Nunn from the Heat, who is, like, the out-of-nowhere Rookie of the Year contender, uh, went to Oakland University. Um, and then you have Zion, who played 18 games. So, to me, this is one of those easy ones. As good as Nunn was and as fun as Zion is, I mean, Ja came into the league, 
And before the bubble, they were pretty much a lock to go to the playoffs. Now it's a little iffy. Now we're going to see how the next six days go. But they're still in the eight seed. This was the second worst team in basketball last year. Uh, and the thing that I think impresses me the most about Ja is the efficiency he's had this year. He's kind of a leave-it-all-on-the-floor guy, a Russell Westbrook, like John Wall, go hard, attack the rim, uh, even a little bit of Dwayne Wade in there, I see. Uh, and normally what you see sure. from these guys, especially when they're young, but even when they get deeper into their career, is a lack of efficiency. You're, you're normally seeing, like Donovan Mitchell, for example, a very similar style player on offense. And it's normally low 40, 40% from the field and low 30% from three. And John Morant this year is like 49% from the field and 35% from three. Those are prime numbers for the type of player he is. Those are the numbers those guys hope to reach in their prime. So, of course, we know if he can stay healthy. We have the generational talent in Zion. But I think everybody, if you don't think that John Morant has a chance to be a generational talent, a guy who is fighting to win championships every year as the best player on his team once he reaches his prime, you're just not watching enough jock because this dude is special. Um, For me, the comp is kind of Derrick Rose, I think. Uh, maybe like 90% of Derrick Rose. Just the, the the recklessness that he drives to the basket with is the thing that I see the most that makes me think Derrick Rose. Yeah, and it's it's also scary because we, yeah. we've seen these guys. I mean, Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose, right? They didn't last yeah. into their late 30s. Uh, Dwayne Wade lasted a bit longer. He was mid-30s. He, you know, he did four years of college and all that. But Derrick Rose, we saw his body just get absolutely destroyed. And it's taken him years to get back to even like a really competent level or above average, which he finally has been the last two years. But I'm going to give you a stat. John Morant, so far this year, is averaging 17.8 points per game and 7.1 assists per game. Nice. The only other rookies to ever average those numbers, Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Trey Young, Damon Stoudemire, and Allen Iverson. Uh, one of those things is not like the other. Yeah. It's Damon Stoudemire. That's kind of a wild one. It is, but but I mean to be in that company and the fact that we have two guys who are under twenty two years old in the league right now who are in that company just shows we are in. You can argue the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands, all you want. We are in the golden age of basketball talent. I think we're a little bit in the like juiced ball era of basketball. From the if you're looking at statistics on a historical scale. There's so many more possessions uh, than there used to be. There's so many more three-pointers made. Scores are way higher. Uh, so I, I wonder if people like Trey Young and John Morant are a little bit uh, helped by those things. I For know sure. I definitely feel that way about Trey Young, uh, who to me is is the basketball equivalent of a glass cannon. Uh, all offense, boom, straight line, but you ask him to do anything else and there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. But John Morant to me is, is less like that. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that, that we are in, I like the way you put it, the juiced ball era of the NBA, right? Stats are up across the board. Triple doubles are nothing now. It's just another day. Um, but as a rookie, I think the ability to still put up those numbers, especially when you're as efficient as he was this year, shows that he could be on the level of those guys. Maybe not Oscar, maybe not Magic, maybe not Allen Iverson, but like that next tier down once he reaches his prime. I mean, prime John Morant has got to be, what, 27, 28 points, eight, nine assists, 
49% from the field, 40% from three. Like he's. I could see some Allen Iverson stuff kind of brewing along the way. Yeah, but more efficient. Yeah, definitely. Probably. Um, uh, it seems like a, a, a more normal guy than Allen Iverson was too, which I think can be helpful in terms of winning championships. Uh, well, and he's got that dog to him, right? He's got yeah. that competitor. He's got that fierceness to him. Uh, so I'm going to say rookie of the year. My winner is John Morant, and I also think John Morant yeah. is who is going to win. No question for me. No question for me. There's nobody else. I like Kendrick Nunn. I'm glad he. I'm glad he's on there. But you know. Now, what the the one award that I think might be the most interesting and might be the most debatable, and even has a a, a snub here, somebody who was left off, is the most improved player. So the finalists are Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, and Luca. And what Luca kind of reminds me here of, I don't, I don't know if everybody remembers this, but Steph Curry's unanimous MVP season uh, just came back from winning an MVP, and there was talk about him winning the most improved player in his second straight MVP season because he got that much better, and that's kind of how I feel with Luca. Luca's just going to be forgotten about in this vote, right? By a lot of NBA media, they're not even going to consider him because he was great last year. He wasn't as great as he is this year, obviously. That's why he's on there. But he was great last year, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, something like that. But if you look at his numbers this year, he's improved on points, rebounds, assists, efficiency. Uh, he, his team is winning ball games. He's as clutch as it gets. Um, so my pick would be Luka Doncic. Like, that is my pick for the most improved player. He's almost added 10 points a game to, to his game. He has become a top at worst, seven or eight player in basketball already. Um, but who I think will win is probably Bam Adebayo. Uh, who I think will win, Bam Adebayo. I agree. Uh, I also just want to say I, I don't really love Brandon Ingram on here. Me, the guy missing here is Devontae Graham, and that is in Luca's own words. Lucas literally said, take me off the list and put Devontae Graham on there. I don't deserve to be on there. Uh, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Luca's word for it. You know, uh, if Luca doesn't think he's the most improved player, then I definitely don't think Luca's the most improved player. So even Isn't if that's like humbleness or marketing or whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I think that we've seen plenty of basketball players be like, "No, that's me. I won that." You know, he's not gonna reverse reverse Kobe his way into a most improved player award. I think opinion. it's I think it's two things. I think the first thing is. Luca thinks Devontae Graham is the most improved player, which that's the snub I was talking about. He he yeah. might be. He's added like 15 points a game. He's hit almost as many threes as anybody else in the league. He's been awesome, but he plays in Charlotte. Nobody cares. And then the second thing is Luca's not just going to be like Bam or Brandon Ingram don't deserve to be on here. And I guess it's three things because Luca also thinks he was too good last year to be the most improved player. I think it's a I, I think it's a humble brag. I think it's I like think the a humble brag. I think I agree that he was too good last year. He was awesome last year. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he hasn't improved substantially. This is also like pre-bubble stuff too, where I think that he's gone up an extra level since the bubble started, and I think you have to kind of discount that entirely. I mean, discounting what we saw last night specifically, uh, I, I think it's Bam Adebayo. I, 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 he's made a huge jump. I mean, that yeah. dude's... You know. Well, the interesting part about Bam to me is we all expected him to become this DPOY, hopefully one day level center and defender. Um, 
he's not quite there yet, but he is one of the better defenders out of all the big men in the league. What I don't think we expected was this 16-foot jump shot to develop so quickly and this offensive game to develop so quickly. He's almost doubled his points per game total from last year. And he is, out of, out of course, Jimmy Butler, probably the, the second or third at worst biggest reason why the Heat are where they are. It's him and it's Duncan Robinson and even throw Kendrick Nunn into there. But that Heat team has just had these guys on this come up, and and Bam Adebayo has turned himself into a legitimate all-star. He At the center position, he is a legitimate, what I will assume will be year-in, year-out all-star for probably the next decade. Um, so I, I do think Bam's going to win, like you said. I just think if you're looking purely on numbers and purely on how they affect their team, Luka is the most improved player in the NBA. Hmm. So one of the more debatable awards I think that we have here and that can go to any of the three guys is the Sixth Man of the Year Award. Your finalists are Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, and Lou Williams. Um, now, I, in my opinion, it's down to two, right? It's Lou Willard, Schroeder. Montrez Harrell's been awesome, but he's just not as important as those other two guys. Um, but if you're looking at it, and you're not taking the Los Angeles bias, and you're just talking who is the most important bench piece in the NBA this season. And I feel pretty confident saying it was Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I think that inherently by having two six men of the year candidates from the same team, that they kind of cancel each other out a little bit. Uh, I just, I just think that that's just not good voting, right? Yeah, now. because I like also one of them's not the sixth man. <laughs> Lou Williams is probably not going to win any awards this year. Uh, I just think that that just probably won't happen for him after the way that this year has gone. I'm gonna disagree. I think the LA bias is gonna be in full effect. The Clipper love from all the nerds is gonna be in full effect. And they're gonna vote for Lou Will because he's the bench darling of NBA media. He is who people love to talk about. Even though, sure, he averaged less points on a lower field goal percentage and a lower three-point percentage than Schroeder did. And sure, he's nowhere near as important to the Clippers' success as Schroeder is to OKC uh, because OKC's bench unit when Shea Gilgis and Chris Paul were also not on the court is Schroeder or die. He is the guy who has to lead that bench unit and has to score the points and has to pass the ball and has to get the assist and has to even play the defense this year, which we haven't really seen previously. Um, so my pick is Dennis Schroeder. The media's I, pick will be Lou Williams. So I, would, I would put a wager on that right now. I'm talking about Lou Williams going to a strip club and almost fucking up the NBA bubble. That's why I don't think he's going to win because people are going to have to talk about people who vote for these awards are going to be asked, who did you vote for? And if you say Lou Williams, you're going to have to answer like five follow-up questions. And I think about like people who do this, who are actually the voters. And uh, I don't think that like, like Simmons or Zach Lowe or any of those guys are going to want to take five extra questions on Lou Williams. So I believe the vote, I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I believe the voting happened before the wings. So the award finalists, let me just make sure I know. So the award finalists, they just put this out here and said, here, this is what, it, these are the top three, but we already know the answer. Yeah, yeah, because the rule this year is the bubble stats don't count. Right. You're not allowed to vote based on what's happening in the bubble. You have to right. vote pre-bubble. Um, so they so I believe like they already have the votes. And then send everybody out and go, okay, pick from these three, like a Survivor Overtime style. 
don't know. Let me see. Because that's like kind of stupid if you're just going to be like, here's our top three. Who you think it's going to be? I mean, that's just that's just content. It's, well, yeah, does, right. But. That's why that's why the NBA is at where it's at right now. Um, yeah. Do you think it's just going to be the first player on each one of these lists? Like, oops, we forgot to shuffle them. So it's going to be Giannis, <laughs> Montrez, and Mike Budenholzer. Should we show the graphic again? What we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that that like honestly, no, no, because Trez is Trez is the top guy, so we're good. Um, all right, so I'm we're both going Schroeder though. We both feel confident that Dennis Schroeder yes. is the most important bench piece in the NBA this season. Uh Derek Rose, but yeah, he's gonna win. Yeah, I mean Derek Rose isn't more important because the Pistons won like four games. So I agree. Uh, <laughs> no um, bias, no bias, no bias. So Let's get the easy one out of the way, and then we'll go to the two. They're kind of easy, but they're also the most debated because they're the two most important, in my opinion. So first, the coach of the year. Now, I've seen on Twitter, and none of this is confirmed. None of this is confirmed. I'm going to say that again. But I have seen on Twitter quite a bit that it got leaked that Billy Donovan is going to be the NBA coach of the year, which is a joke. There is only one choice. That OKC team has been amazing and Billy Donovan has done a hell of a job but the only pick for coach of the year is Nick Nurse okay, that is I agree. it he yeah. lost Kawhi Leonard and this team looks almost as good as they were last year yep. he's Pascal Siakam just keeps getting better Kyle Lowry hasn't fallen off even a little bit Marcus Saul still doing his thing this offense this defense is absurd at times when they turn it on they can be the best defense in basketball the choice here was Nick Nurse, and I get that OKC is the story, but the correct pick is Nick Nurse. I don't even think – I just don't even think that OKC being the story is a better story than Nick Nurse with the Raptors. I mean, Nick Nurse was trolling around in the G Leagues, and he you know, he had to work to get here. Uh, I don't even think Billy Donovan's the second best option for Coach of the Year. Uh, I think Budenholzer, what he's done to turn that – that team into a juggernaut. I know he is Giannis, but like Eric Bledsoe is your second best player and you're going to like approach records for regular season. Chris Middleton's your second best player. Okay. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But no, I get your point. You're making the, if, if the season never stops, they probably win 68, 69 games and which is four wins off of the all time record. Um, I just think that Milwaukee's kind of had this going for a couple of years now. And it's, you know, on a nice incline up where Billy Donovan was handed this tea, or not handed, he's been there, but they had to get rid of Russell Westbrook, and all of a sudden you get this horrible, or at least everybody thought, this horrible Chris Paul contract. You got Gallinari, you got Steven Adams, but in the West, what is that really going to do? And then all of a sudden, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. They're probably the most fun-to-watch team or most surprising team in the NBA. Most surprising. Um, so I would go Nick Nurse, Billy Donovan, Budenholzer, but I completely understand why you would put Budenholzer up at number two. But again, the right pick here is Nick Nurse. That Raptors team is like it's every the coaches around the league. Nick Nurse has become the Sean McVay of the NBA. He's being copied. They want to be Ooh. Nick Nurse. They want to do the same things he's doing. And so, man, he's he just flawless with it. Let me let me ask you a follow-up on that statement. Do you think, therefore, that in two years Nick Nurse will be overrated? Everybody's gonna go, oh yeah, he just had this one thing and then everybody did that thing and now he's not good anymore? No. Okay. Because no, basketball is different. Football, I agree. you know I agree. football, you have to continue every year you kind of have to come up with something new. 
And I think basketball, you can you obviously got to make tweaks and changes, but you can stick with pretty much the same ideals and the same system and the same similar play style over a longer period of time. Where football, I mean, we saw the we saw the spread option become everything in football for a year and a half. And then, oh, wait, all our quarterbacks, all our franchise quarterbacks are getting smoked on every play and getting hurt. Like, we don't want that. So that went to the wayside. And now we have one guy who can still do it at, like, an elite, elite level with Lamar Jackson. But I just think basketball is easier to kind of keep a consistent system going. I mean, we've watched Pop do it for 20 years. And I'm not saying Nick Nurse is Pop, but he could be, like, the next great coach. Yeah, I think that it's probably fair to look at Nick Nurse and go, that guy could be the next guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he's earned it, you know? Do you uh, want to talk about the Spurs at all since you brought it up? Go ahead, man. Say what you got to say about the Spurs. Uh, just that uh, I didn't say this on the air, only in a DM, that Derek White is going to win sixth man of the year next year. And I just wanted to get that. I just wanted to get that on tape. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm about a week late on when I wanted to be there. The price has gone up a little bit on Derek White stock because we've watched him in the bubble be very good. But I uh, just wanted to slip that in there. I mean, they're a game out of the playoffs right now. They are a game out of the playoffs right now. But so is Portland and so is Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Phoenix has been kind of otherworldly since they've been in the bubble. And I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about Phoenix right now. I just don't have a good thought on it. Because I've watched, I've watched every team except for the Pacers kind of. Oh, the Pacers look awesome. The Pacers yeah. have been the best. To you. I'm I'm shocked you haven't watched them yet. They've been know, the best team to watch best, in the yeah. bubble. TJ yeah. Warren is going – I don't know if his contract expires after this year. I don't think it does. But if it does, he's going to get $25 million a year. Do you think <laughs> he'll deserve it? Do you think he'll live up to that contract? Uh, it'll be – I think it'll work out a lot like Tobias Harris's contract um, where you don't hate it, right? You don't hate it that he's on it. But also, if you could go get yourself another $25 million player to replace him, you'd probably be doing better. Um, but he's like a real – if he could be the third guy on a really, really good team, if you threw him on the Lakers or the Clippers or even like Portland, I mean, that's about as good of a third guy as you're going to get. He's going to put up 18, 19 points. He's going to shoot a good percentage from three. He's going to play good defense. And then every once in a while, he's going to have these explosions where he leads the NBA in scoring for eight games at like 35 and a half points a game. So – yeah. So do you think that he's like kind of making a little leap right here? Do you think he's making a leap? Yeah. So it's tough because he's, you know, he's in his late twenties. It's not like this guy's still super young. He's been in the league for a while. Um, it's going to be a leap. I, I think this is something that's indicative of a guy who was like, Hey, I'm quarantined for three months. I'm putting up 12,000 shots a day. Like I'm not leaving the gym. Uh, that's the only way I can really explain this because where else does this come from? We've never seen, we've seen him get hot. We've never seen him get hot like this or even close. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's a leap. I, it's not going to be a 20, he's not going to be a 26 point per game guy ever, but he could be, he could go from like an 18, 19 point per game guy to like a 22, 23 point per game guy. How many years has TJ Warren been in the league? Give me the number. Is it eight? Because there's this like, weird thing about guys who have been in the league like eight years specifically. That's when Tobias Harris made his jump into being kind of that $25 million player, for example. Uh, and it just seems like sometimes, you know, sometimes wow. you better on the block a few times and things start to click. I know that I, I, as I age, I kind of feel certain things click in ways that they weren't before. I'm sure you've experienced that a little as well. 
so I, I do think that there can be something to the idea of a guy being 28 years old and just being like, oh, this is how I play basketball. The game slows down like it does with quarterbacks, and I just think some guys just see things all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, it's year six for him, and he's actually a year That's, or two yeah. younger than I thought. He's only 26 right now. Um, yeah. The last two years, he's over 40% from three. This year, he was 54% from the field. So He's 65% from the field in the bubble so far. That's just, see like that's obviously that's not sustainable. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm breaking any ground saying that, but that's not Whoa, sustainable. Chamberlain. <laughs> um, so like it's going to be a leap. I think he's a 20 point per game scorer from now on. Um, but again, I think he's closer to like Tobias Harris than he is to like a top level forward in the league, which is still really good. It's still yeah. a really good ball player. Yeah, You'd yeah. love to have that guy as your third best guy if you have a I'd star or two. Take him on the Pistons. I don't give a shit. Yeah, well, we could have had him for very cheap a couple years ago. I don't remember the exact deal, but it was cheap. Yeah. Um, well, so, that's what that's what the Pacers do, man. That's This is what the Pacers do. That's what good organizations do. That's what organizations yeah. who don't lose for – well, I guess they've been losing for half a decade now, but uh, – not losing, not losing, but not where they were when they had Paul George. Um, yeah. but they've, they've been a good organization. I think that this team with healthy Oladipo is as good as those Paul George teams. Those Paul George teams were competing with the Heat. I think that this team, we'll see in the playoffs, but I think that there's a chance that this team competes, competes. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I don't disagree. It. I think they could compete in the East, but they're not good enough to like take – the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Heat teams to seven games. Um, but they're not that far away either. Like if Victor Oladipo was like 18% better, they'd be right there. Um, all right. The defensive player of the year, your finalists are Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, now we talked about guys not winning awards because of how their year has gone outside Extra of the court. Players. And I'm going to say Rudy Gobert kind of ran himself. Not Again, on this show, we don't blame Rudy Gobert for shutting down the NBA. We're not that dumb that we think it was him rubbing mics that shut the whole world down. Uh, but, boy, it's a bad look. It's, it is not a good look. So I'm just going to count him out. And, honestly, he just hasn't been on the level as the other two guys this year. Um, who I think will win, I'll give you that first. I think it's going to be Giannis. And I that's agree. because all of the defensive metrics are pretty much in Giannis's favor. Um, now, what defensive metrics still don't have 100% right in basketball is that, like, especially on a Budenholzer team with Budenholzer system, is a lot of it is team defense and communication, which you have to be good at. Not everybody is good at those things. Team defense is an individual skill as well as a team skill. Um, but I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. And it's kind of the Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard argument from a couple years ago. And it was Kawhi had the numbers, but every time the game was close with a minute left in the fourth, Draymond made the play. And that's what Anthony Davis did this year. He was good the whole game. But every time the game was close with a minute left in the fourth, He's getting a big block. He's getting a big steal. He's locking somebody down. Nobody's scoring against him in those big-time moments, which have won the Lakers a lot of games this year. Um, so I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. I think that it's going to be pretty big win for Giannis. I think he'll get like 75% of the vote. Uh, but I think, we, I think defensive player of the year especially is something that you kind of have to look outside of the numbers. Use the numbers. Use the metrics. Always use the metrics. But don't just, like, 
erase the eye test because the eye test is still a real thing and it's still important. It's not as, as important as the metrics, but it's still important. I think that you make a very compelling case for Anthony Davis as defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to stick with Giannis for all the reasons you said. The metrics are ridiculous. Uh, I think that the argument that Giannis hasn't been as good in the last two minutes of the game is an argument that I think we're going to hear a little more over the course of the next 12 months as well, especially depending on uh, on on how this playoffs go. Because you're starting to hear a little bit of can Giannis close. Giannis doesn't have that killer instinct all the time. Uh, if you need a bat, if you need two points, like Giannis can give it to you, but not in the same way that it feels like LeBron or Anthony Davis have. But uh, I just, from watching the Bucks, think that he is the linchpin to everything they do on defense. That defense, like you said, is a team defense. But in the same way that the 04 Pistons had elite team defense, Ben Wallace was still Defensive Player of the Year. And so for that reason, yeah. I am going to stick with Giannis. I like that. That's a good way to put that. Um, yeah, and I like I can't argue with you because, like I said, the metrics are in your favor. Um, and it might be a little bit of that Lakers bias that I have deep down that I try to hide when we do this show. But uh, I, you? <laughs> I try. Hey, man, you know how I am when we're not on this show. I go That's full true. bias. Yeah, you're um, yeah. And then we go to, honestly, maybe the easiest award. It's the biggest award, but it's the easiest to pick, I think, and that's the most valuable player. Before the bubble, did LeBron have a shot? Yeah, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Your finalists are Giannis, LeBron, and James Harden. Uh, this is the first year in like five years where I haven't thought that James Harden at least deserved a few votes. Um, but just compared to the other two guys, he probably doesn't. Honestly, I would probably put Anthony Davis on that ballot over James Harden. Um, okay, but Giannis, Giannis is the MVP. The Bucks in my have, opinion, okay. James Harden has become very underrated in a certain kind of way. Uh, and I know, you know, these are regular season awards and James Harden has become, it's James Hart. What James Harden does has become normalized. It has become like no big deal that he is doing the things that he's doing. And of course, the best example is last night. Uh, Luka Doncic does a really cool between the legs pass and everybody has a nutty. Everybody ex explodes all over themselves. And James Harden had done the same thing in the exact same game. Now, did he do it with his offhand in the last 45 seconds of an overtime game? No, but he does that shit all the yeah, time. that's his move. That's his pass. That's, he created yeah. that pass. It's crazy um, to me no, how I, people are overlooking what James Harden does. I don't want it to sound like I'm undervaluing James Harden. I think James Harden would still be fourth place on the MVP list. I just would put Anthony Davis I, over him for this I season. James, Harden, James Harden should have three MVPs. He should have three MVPs. I have James um, Harden second this year over LeBron. Yeah, okay. Because I think that Anthony I mean, Davis, there's a, mo a month and a half stretch where Russell Westbrook was better than James Harden. And there's probably been about half the season where Anthony Davis has been as good or better than LeBron. As good, I'd give you. I don't think I'd give you better. I think in the bubble, he's been their best player. So yeah, far. sure, but that's not what the yeah, bubble. right. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but uh, I just think Harden. I don't. I don't know. I think people don't like him. People don't like the way the Rockets play. Uh, and I get that. It can be a tough watch, but it's undeniable that he, in my opinion, is the second, the most pure basketball talent, just for pure like built-in genetic ability to play basketball i don't think that there's anybody you can argue lebron but uh I i'd think probably it, argue kevin durant Ooh, that's true but he didn't play this year but that is yeah. that might be that's a good point 
So I got to be honest, that's for you, just to explain how historic yeah. this season was, because it's truly a top 10 at worst top 15 season of all time. Yeah. He has the highest player efficiency rating in NBA history at 31.88. The Bucks have a plus 16.6 net rating when he's on the court. The only person higher than that this century was Steph Curry when he won the when he won the MVP unanimously. He leads the league in defensive rating. He averages 29 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Really it's closer to 30 14 and 6, but I decided to round down for the stats. Who are the only other players who have averaged 20, oh, 29 or more points, 13 or more rebounds, and five or more assists. Elgin Baylor did it once in 1960, 1961. Wilt did it twice. The final year he did it was 1966. So this season has not been done since guys were selling insurance in the offseason. And it was done by one of the most freak athletes who has ever graced this earth in Wilt Chamberlain in 1966. And Giannis is doing it in the modern game where there's – I mean, Giannis is like the weirdest shaped, sized human being ever. It's perfect. But there's guys who can like keep up with that in the modern NBA. There's other 6'10", long, strong guys, maybe not quite like him, but guys who can kind of keep up with it. And he's still doing this. Um, LeBron, great season. Harding, great season. Anthony Davis, great season. Most other years you're at least getting some votes. This year – should be a unanimous vote for Giannis to win the MVP. I agree with that. Uh, Giannis to me is like what Michael Phelps is like in swimming, where he has like the feet, like the perfect feet for swimming, the right size. Like like Michael Phelps was kind of built in a laboratory for swimming, and Giannis is like that for basketball. Yeah. Uh, if he learns to shoot threes at like a 5% better clip, I don't know. I don't know how you stop him. You don't. You don't. He becomes a top 10 player of all time. Yeah. Um, and this is – so I've pretty much thought LeBron was the best player in the world since 2007, 2008. Um, and this is the first year. If the Bucks win the title this year, Giannis is the best player in the world. And there's not yeah. an argument against it. If the Bucks win so. the title, he is the best player in the world, uh, which – for people who know me, that's a big statement coming from me. <laughs> like to concede that he would be the better player over LeBron James. That's a like a big statement. But we're there. We are there. Uh Kwai could also possibly have that argument if he wins a title this year that he's the best player in the world. Um but even if the Clippers beat the Bucks, I think I think Giannis was better. It'll depend. It'll depend on how it goes. I mean, I think if you go seven games in the finals as the Bucks, I think that probably does it for Giannis. Because the only way he does that is if he's going like 40, 15, and 10, like in the finals, basically. Right. So which I'm like wouldn't be that shocked. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see it. I'll say that. I'd love to see it. It would be it would be great. It would be great. So that's your NBA awards. Uh Giannis the MVP. Giannis or Anthony Davis, depending on which one of us you ask, as the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Bam for you. Luca for me is the most improved player. We both got John Morant as our Rookie of the Year. We both have Schroeder as our Sixth Man of the Year. And we both have Nick Nurse as our Coach of the Year, even though it sounds like it's probably going to be Billy Donovan. That's kind of crazy to me. Uh, I'll say this. Anybody who votes for Zion for Rookie of the Year or Montrez Harrell for Sixth Man of the Year probably shouldn't have a ballot next year. Yeah, it, you. Zion's amazing. Zion shows no every time he's on the court, he scores like damn near a point per minute. 
Um, but you can't play 18 games and win rookie of the year. Just can't. You can't play 45 games and win rookie of the year. So I know we all love him and he's exciting as hell and he can jump out the gym and he literally looks like a bull when he's on the basketball court, but it doesn't matter. He played 18 games. The date is February 15th, 2020. I tell you that the Detroit Tigers on August 9th will be in fourth place in the American League. What is your reaction? Uh, did a pandemic come in and wipe teams you, off the You, face you, of you had heard about it on the news. <laughs> you had heard about it on the news, so it might be in the back of your mind. You heard about it, but it hadn't shut anything down yet. What's your reaction? Uh, uh, which two prospects are looking like rookie of the year candidates? I think would probably be where I would be at for that. Right? And that's, that's totally reasonable and exactly probably where your mind should go. And sure, we lost part of the season, but we also lost those games. So we start at the end of July. That's, that's where we are. We're in the stretch run, day one. And we are in fourth place a third of the way through August, whichever way you want to look at it, with a sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the putrid Pittsburgh Pirates by the way, not a good team, maybe the worst team in baseball this year, but we but, swept I mean, them and we swept hey. them in different ways. Game one, you score 17 runs. Game two, you score 11 runs. Game three, you can't get any offense going. What do you do? You win two to one. Spencer Turnbull, once again, absolutely magnificent. Seven innings, first starter to get to seven innings in a start so far this year for the Tigers. Only one earned run. And it wasn't he wasn't even as good as his first two starts. He was a little the control was inconsistent. The breaking stuff wasn't it was still breaking. It was still nasty, but it wasn't what it had been the first two starts. And he still got through seven real quality innings. Only the second quality start for the Tigers on the season, which really shows how much damage this offense has been doing. Yeah. Because they're and they're four games behind most teams. And they are fifth in the league in home runs right now. They have three different guys who already have four bombs, uh, what, 13 games into the season. They're almost averaging two home runs per game. You want to know what they averaged last year? 0.91 home runs per game. They have doubled that number, which is probably going to fall off a little bit, right? We saw on Saturday they had four home runs in their first five hitters, only the second time in MLB history that's ever been done. Yeah. Um, and then they had six total home runs in that game. That We're not going to be murderer's row Tigers. The talent isn't there for that. But the pitching staff also isn't going to be this bad. Matt Boyd has been god-awful to start the season. He's not going to be that all year. He's not going to have a nine-and-a-half ERA. I mean, it's going to be hard to bring it way down because there's not a whole lot of time in the season left. We're almost a quarter <laughs> of the way through already. Um, <laughs> but he's not going to be as bad as we've seen. Um but I think the biggest question all of us Tigers fans have is, where is Casey Mize? This starting rotation has not been good. Ivan Nova has not been good. Matt Boyd has not been good. You have a bullpen day once a week that's now going to be filled by Tyler Alexander, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but Casey Mize needs to be on this roster, and he needs to be on this roster now. We're past the service time deadline. We're good on that. We get the extra year. Hmm. But we are we are an 8-5 and five baseball team. Eight and five, which in a 60-game season puts you 20 wins away from making the playoffs. you got to go like 20 and 27 the rest of the year. And if you have Turnbull one of those starts and Mize one of those starts, and that's 40% of your games between those guys, they should win a good percentage of those games. Mize would probably be 
the best starter in your rotation right now. He's that good. There's not going to be a huge learning curve for a guy like that. Let me float you. Let me float you a theory as to why I think he hasn't been called up yet. And I'm going to tell me what you think of it. I think it's because the Tigers are in fourth place and they're eight and five. I think that if you're Tigers management, so I'm talking like Tigers ownership. I'm talking where the money is. If you think there's a chance for us to make the playoffs, whatever that means for the team financially, I suspect because of the way that the world is, they really don't want to rock that boat right now. I don't, I, and I know that Casey Mize is talented, but I, I, I think that you're still, if you're the owner of the Tigers, who owns the Tigers? Is it the Fords or the Illiches? The Illiches. If you're the Illiches, you look at what's happening and go, we have the chance to make more money by being in the playoffs. I don't want to turn the keys to the car over to uh, a rookie. And that's a bad baseball decision, but a good business decision. Do you, do you, do you, do you take any stock in that? Uh, no, because you're okay. doing that anyways. Tyler Alexander is starting on Tuesday. Who, sure, he's been great out of the bullpen. He had nine straight strikeouts last week. We saw it on the show. It was our awesome sports clip of the week. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're if you feel comfortable enough to move Tyler Alexander into that rotation after like seven innings pitched, there should be no reason why you're not comfortable putting Casey Mize in that rotation. Who, like I said, might be the best pitcher in the organization right now. Now, my hope is, again, we record this on Sunday. You'll be watching us Tuesday at 8 o'clock, hopefully. We have a doubleheader on Thursday. One of those games needs to be Casey Mice. Um, and even if you go to a six-man rotation, the only person in this rotation right now who I need to see every five days is Spencer Durnbull. So if you go to a six-man rotation, that probably helps you, especially with a guy like Fulmer, who's not going to be able to throw that many innings this year because he's just coming off Tommy Johnny and pitched in like 18 months. Um, so you go to a six-man rotation as worst-case scenario. I don't expect Tyler Alexander to come into the starting rotation and be a star. In fact, it could go really bad. Uh, yeah. He's got He's been hot, but we're going to see here in the next couple of days how he does as a starter. But in reality, you have a week to call him up. After that, it especially if you're still winning ballgames, if you go four and three in this next week, there is no excuse for him not to be on this roster. And I understand the rock the boat thing and you're going to shake things up, but you're not losing a, a, a dominant piece. Honestly, what the best case scenario might be, and they would never do this, but if I am Ron Gardenhire and I get Casey Mize called up, I probably move Ivan Nova to the long relief spot in the pen. And then he can take over after Fulmer goes three or four innings. He can take over after Tyler Alexander goes four or five innings. He could I mean, Casey Mize pitch count is probably going to be like 85 when he does get called up, 85 pitches max. He could take over there. Um, so I think you have these guys, these pieces who you can move to the bullpen, who can still get those innings, uh, especially a guy like Nova or put Tyler Alexander back there. If him as a starter doesn't work out, but you got to get your best talent in there. We finally have something to root for in Detroit sports. And this would only be the icing on the cake. It's that next step, right? And we deserve it. Us Tigers fans, we deserve it. Yeah. And the, the Illiches are going to do what the Illiches do ever since uh, Mr. I passed away. And that's just be frauds and not spend any money and not care about the city and do what they do. Um, but this shouldn't this shouldn't be one of those things. You already have the extra year of control. So put them on the damn roster, Chris. Put them on the damn roster. It's just, it's that simple. There is no there's no reason. There's no debate. There's no discussion that says he shouldn't be on this roster. Not one. 
If you can come up with a good one that's not, like you said, the Illich is being shitty, then I'll listen. But there isn't one argument for it. So that's got to be coming in the next week at worst. Um, but I don't want to sit here and be mad at the Tigers. Where they, is Casey Mize right now? Is he in Toledo? He's in Toledo. So the taxi squad is in Toledo. They are probably playing intra-squad games every day. He's still getting you know simulated innings in and pitching. Sure. Um him and Manning are both down there. Scooble's not down there right now because Scooble's battling COVID. A 23-year-old professional athlete who has been sick for 15 days with a 103-degree fever. Um, so we're just, you know, hoping for him to recover and get back with the taxi squad by the end of the year. Um, but like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how many other ways I can say it. Casey Mize is an MLB level player who needs to be on an MLB roster for a team that's in a city that hasn't seen a good team in any sport since 2014. We've seen average teams. We saw the Pistons and Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond go to the playoffs. We saw Blake Griffin take us to the playoffs. But this is the first thing we've ever, I think the whole city, if if it's September 17th, and we're looking like we're gonna make the playoffs, this entire city is going to rally around this team. If I'm sure most people in Detroit remember what it was like after 2006. Nobody thought we were going to do anything. We ended up going to the World Series. That's still – it's the 04 Pistons. It's the 06 Tigers. Those are the two most talked about teams of this century in Detroit sports still to this day, and maybe the 2012 Tigers. And I'm not saying we're, we're, we're good enough to win if we get to the playoffs, but just get there. Just, just let us love a team again because it's just been years of misery and pessimism and – just no belief in ownership or front offices or even the players for the most part. And we finally have this team that looks ready to compete. They believe in themselves, which is hugely important in baseball. They believe in themselves with an old school, but still a damn good manager for this type of team. He can pull the best out of these type of players. Gardenhire can. So I know I'm ranting, but it's time. It's been time, but now it's really fucking time. So this week here on Fan to Fan, we want to introduce kind of a new segment, if you will, uh, that I think we can kind of use a lot. It's just really a good way to be able to talk about everything we want to talk about without taking up too much of your time. You hear the things you want to hear about, and we, you know, we're not going to be talking about this stuff for an hour. So be ready to listen because uh, we're coming at you quick with this one. But this is the weekly quick pitch, uh, a segment where we touch on topics from all over the sports universe. And the first thing I want to talk about, we're keeping it local here. And I don't know if you heard about this yet. Actually, fuck. Did we talk about the Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day thing last week? No. I don't even know what that is. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So the first thing we want to touch on, and I don't know if you've heard about this yet, uh, Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day kind of got into it on the Big Ten conference call. Um, There were some pictures that surfaced of Ryan Day and his coaches working out with players when they weren't supposed to during quarantine um, and Harbaugh called him out on the conference call, um, which, of course, is Harbaugh, so people think he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have called out somebody cheating. Um, yeah. But what Ryan Day said to Harbaugh after they got into it a little bit was, how about you worry about your team, Jim, and I'll worry about mine. And then about 20 minutes after the conference call was done, the news immediately broke that Ryan Day went straight to his players and said they better have a mercy rule this year because we're hanging 100 on them. And now the final step of this story is Michigan has a picture of Ryan Day in their in their weight room 
with that quote under it, with the Ohio State logo and their little fake-ass weed leaf stickers that they have hanging up in the workout room. Big deal, not a big deal. Is this forgotten about by the time they play? Because it might be next fucking year. Um, how do you feel about it? Uh, probably forgotten about because they won't play till next year. Uh, but uh, fuck Ryan Day. That's it. Those are that's all my thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. As he wear as he's wearing a red and Actually, white jersey. I have one more thought on that. Everybody in the media loves to really hate on Jim Harbaugh. He's just kind of an eccentric dude. I don't think like a bad guy or like a, a dangerous guy, but he's definitely like classic football coach weirdo guy. And st- stop hating on that. Just yeah. Let Jim Harbaugh beat. And the argument I kept hearing against Jim Harbaugh here was he should have called him personally. Why? If he calls him personally, nothing changes. He yeah. just keeps cheating. You call him out on a conference call where everybody can hear it, and then guess what? He can't do it again because he'll get in trouble for it. Big thumbs up from me for Jim Harbaugh. You can do it with Jim Harbaugh. Except for, like, change the offensive system a little bit. Maybe it's win a 19, little more. It's not 1985. Packy stuff. Yeah, but off the field, <laughs> thumbs up. Love you, dude. Uh, Damian Lillard the other day missed – Two free throws, which would have tied and given them the lead and maybe the biggest game of – for sure the biggest game of the season for the Blazers so far. Uh, as this was happening, Paul George and Pat Bev are on the bench. Pat Bev screaming, Dame time, Dame time. And it turned into a social media war. Uh, Damian Lillard yeah. called out Paul George, told him keep switching teams, running away from the grind, called him a chump. Paul George tried to say his first stint with Indiana was more successful than Damian Lillard's stint ever was with Portland, even though they both made, both made a conference finals, so it's the same thing. Um, and Pat Bev's just an annoying asshole. I'm just going to say it. He's annoying. You're on the bench for a reason, dude. Um, and then later, Damian Lillard, sis, his sister, got on social media and called out Paul George's girlfriend or wife, um, for some things in her past, I'll say. Um, called her a gold digger, I believe. Uh, stripper, all those kinds of things. Um, is this going to affect Damian Lillard or the Clippers in the, the rest of the bubble? Or do you think it's already forgotten about from these guys? I, I just think that they're very bored. I think Dame's definitely bored. Uh, I am on Dame's side, I think, a little bit here. Uh, of course, you got to hit those free throws. A1, number one thing. Uh, interesting point about Pat Bev. I love Pat Bev. Uh, I, I love that he likes to mix it up. You know, this is what he does. Pat Bev's an agitator. Has been since he's been in the league. Uh, so there's nothing There's nothing out of the ordinary here for me, except for when uh, the women get involved. That's always, like, interesting in basketball. And uh, I don't really have a, ho- a whole ton to say, just that it was a fun story to watch unfold on social media. Yeah, it was just kind of wild. It was coming in like rapid fire. Really fast. Uh, Just over and over. Oh, and I forgot to mention, then Paul George's wife came and called Damian Lillard's sister fat. So it's gotten personal. It It feels like when somebody mentions Eminem's daughter in a rap battle, right? Now it's personal. Now it's real. Now it's not going away. Uh, I can't believe that you're gonna you're gonna we're talking about basketball and making things personal, and you're gonna choose Eminem over Michael Jordan. That's an interesting choice. It's an interesting choice. Well, this is a diss battle. You know what I'm saying? This is this yeah. is basketball's version of a rap battle, because uh, basketball has now turned into a social media soap opera, which we all love. By the way, don't change it. We love oh, it. Yeah, but don't change it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next thing for you. What is Luca's ceiling? 
We just watched him drop 37, 19, and 10, I believe, at 21 years old. And it feels normal. Like you were saying about James Harden, some of that stuff has become normalized. I mean, we're watching a 21-year-old who's putting up 30, 10, and 10, which seems like every other night. What is? Where is the cap for this guy? Uh, an all-timer. That's definitely true. Uh, multiple MVP winner. I think we're going to have a lot of, uh, in the same way that we had a lot of, I feel like maybe some LeBron, Kevin Durant, or LeBron, Steph Curry arguments, we're probably about to go into eight years of Luka Giannis arguments. Uh, so for me, Luka's ceiling is he could potentially be the best player of a decade of basketball. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about this. I'm thinking about all the great players we have and all the up-and-coming talent we have in the NBA. How many guys in the league right now have the potential to be a top 20 all-time player or already are? So right off rip, you have LeBron, you have Steph, you have Kevin Durant. Those three guys are probably already top 20 players. Obviously, LeBron is for sure. Uh, Steph and KD are right there at worst, at worst right there. Um, And then you look at the young talent. You have Luka, you have Giannis. Those guys, if I had to put money on it right now, I'd say they end up being at least top 25 players of all time. Giannis is going to be top 20 for sure. Yeah, Giannis is probably already edging up close to that. I think he really only needs another year or two. Uh, and then at a minimum, his absolute floor, if he got hit by a truck after two years, is the way that we talk about Bill Walton, where he had those two years where it was like, yeah, he's top 30 of all time. And then uh, let's not forget Kawhi Leonard, the guy who already has two titles yeah. and two finals MVPs with two teams, and he's going for a third one with a third team. That's six guys who could be top 20 players of all time playing – at the same time, competing with each other at the same time. None of them are falling off yet. Even the one who's the closest is LeBron is still a final three candidate for MVP this year. I mean, I know I said it earlier in the show, but this is the golden age. It doesn't get better than this. You're actually making one of my points from earlier correctly. Where is James Harden? Sure. another Seven guys. Fine. Uh, It's harder to put James Harden in that discussion because I don't know if James Harden's ever going to win a ring. He's on the, the bottom of that discussion, but he has to be in that discussion. It's just, I just can't. I mean, he's top 40 he's already. Every night. He's yeah. top, maybe top 30 already. Probably top 30 already. Probably I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got to have five top three finishes for the MVP. So yeah. he's, he's right there. What does that make um, him? Like Oscar Robertson, basically? Yeah. From an accolades perspective, I don't hate that. Um, Oscar probably is a little bit better on the accolade side, but there was eight teams when he played, so. A lot of the time he played. So um, this one you're going to like, I think. Okay. Former Pistons fan favorite Will Bynum, Will the Thrill Bynum, has been training with Killian Hayes at the request of Joe Dumars. They have described Killian of having a mindset that is just different. Does that fit? I know it's Joe Dumars and Will Bynum. So like two guys who don't really have much to do with the organization anymore. Do you think this makes the Pistons more likely to draft Killian Hayes? And how excited are you hearing that news? <laughs> I'm extremely excited hearing that news. I'm struggling to contain myself. I'm so excited. Uh, love it. Bring on Killian Hayes, baby. Just keep it coming. Love it. Yeah. I, Where I'd take him second. I'd take him second, and I'd consider yeah. taking him first. Probably wouldn't take him first. Definitely second. Uh, unless, like... We, it's such a weird year for the draft, and you're taking a risk no matter what. Uh, unless you're unless you're talking about Lamelo, I, I, I'm. 
Yeah, I just so I still love Anthony Edwards, and I don't want to be the guy whose opinion has changed because of other people. But how much people are pulling back on Anthony Edwards is a little scary to me because now some people are having him three, four, five. I think it's mostly boredom, and that like we went three months without being able to watch basketball, and it's Anthony Edwards is the second easiest player in this draft to just dissect, but he doesn't have the star power who the first easiest player is, which is Lamelo Ball. So people are like. People are looking for reasons for Anthony Edwards to not be good enough, and they're looking for reasons for LaMelo to be good enough. Um, but I would I would really consider taking Killian first. It's one of those three for me. I mean, I still haven't decided who my number one is for sure. Um, but if it came down to that and they took him, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be upset. I'm still going to be just as happy as I would be if we got him at five. Two for me. He's still two. Uh, I like to try to – when it's – when four months ago it was the he was when Anthony Edwards four months ago is the number one pick on pretty much every board pretty much everybody agrees it's tough to go four months forward and everybody gets all inside brain and and now they're like yeah he has some problems sure but have you ever when was the last time you saw Lamelo Ball play basketball yeah at a high level you know right. when was the last never time? <laughs> I didn't know about Denny Devia Vigia like there's risk yeah. no I get that. Uh, and then something, this is the last one I got, but something we touched on a little bit earlier um, that I don't think we fully answered. If TJ Warren continues to play at even 85% of what he's doing now, how far can the Pacers go in these playoffs? I think that they can be as good as those Paul George, Paul George Pacers teams. So you think that they could at worst take these Giannis Bucks teams to game seven? Yes. I think that's a possibility. Wow. wow. If TJ Warren is, if this is real and Victor Oladipo kind of comes back to 100%, uh, I don't think he's quite there yet. I, I just think that that team is 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 very talented and well coached, and they just do the little things, man. It's just Indiana Pacer basketball. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I don't, don't hate it. I watched so I watched Celtics Raptors this week, and it was a huge blowout for the Celts. But I honestly came away from that game feeling not good about either team. Not feeling like either one of those teams, in my opinion, is anything more than a trick-or-treat type situation. When the Celtics hit all their shots, yeah, you can't beat them. But it doesn't feel like they're a team that always hits all their shots. And if they don't do that, you can really, really beat them. The Sixers lost Ben Simmons, I'm assuming for the year at this point. I'm going to say we can pretty safely say we're probably not going to see Ben Simmons again this year. Uh, And so that's your top four teams. All four out of those teams are either trick-or-treat as hell or injured, or their best player is injured, or their second best player. So I, I think that opens the door for the Pacers and the Heat, too, but the Pacers. All right. I like the argument. I can't I can't really debate the argument. You made a good point. Um, I guess I got one more for you, and okay. everybody's going to know the answer to this by the time this airs. So think about it. Okay. The Portland Trailblazers and Philly game just started right now. We yeah. know Dame is pissed off. Yeah. What's his stat line? This is Sunday for everybody listening at home. We record this Sunday. So you'll know Tuesday what it is. This is Celtics Philly. What is Dame's stat line at the end of this game? We should just change the name of the show too. We record on Sunday. <laughs> uh, Dame is going to have 45 points and 12 assists and a couple of boards. Damn. Okay. So he's really pissed is what you're saying. He's, I, he's ready to go. 
to me, Dame Lillard is a kind of a little James Hardeny in that we kind of have normalized the crazy things he does, specifically in like high stress clutch situations. He yeah. he he thrives in this situation. The so dude's he, got two buzzer beaters to win right. series. Like he's yeah, he's as he's as cold blooded as it gets. Um, and you know, Joel Embiid's gonna be talking. Yeah, which I think is only gonna level him up a little bit. Yeah, although Embiid might be just checked out after the Simmons injury, you know, it's like, well, we're not that winning would, anything now. If that's what happens, if that, if he does that, it just makes everything that everybody said about Joel and be not being the guy, uh, being the most talented, least talented guy. Extremely true. That shit matters. Yeah. No, you're that's right. So talented. Anyway. Yeah. But they're not good enough to win anything now. Go win a playoff series, I guess. If you don't have enough pride in your game that you don't want to push as hard as you can to win that playoff game, that playoff series, you're never going to win a title. Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. You got anything else? Do you want to do any soccer? We've probably got like 10 minutes. We can do some soccer to wrap it up. Yeah, lead it off, son. Uh, do you have I, – I don't know where to start, actually. I just kind of blanketed the blanket soccer. So uh, MLS is back, tournament final – Finals are going to be, uh, I think they're on Monday night, so we'll know when this airs. Uh, Orlando City, Portland. Who you got? Oh, Orlando City. <laughs> the The attack of Orlando City is uh, is first class. Um, they are in excellent form as of late. So I'm going to go Both Orlando of those City. Things are true. Uh, Nani is the forward, is the, the the tip of the spear on Orlando City. Pretty classic high end player who goes to MLS for the paycheck when he turns 31. Still a really good player. Scored a bunch of goals. Probably going to be tournament MVP. Not a bad pick. So you got lucky. Uh, Champions League starts uh, started yesterday, Saturday, uh, which had two blowouts. There was some uh, American soccer player watch for Conrad La Fuente, who made the bench for Barcelona in their Champions League game against Napoli, uh, and just uh, didn't end up. Obviously, didn't play because he's 18 years old and he's not Christian Pulisic, and that's the only American player who could ever even wander onto a field for Barcelona. But still, cool to see. Feels like a pretty weak uh, final eight in the Champions League. So it's going to be Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, Man City, uh, Lyon, RB Leipzig, Atletico Madrid, Paris Saint Germain, and Atalanta. So Atalanta has been like so good this year. They are really good. Don't sleep on them, especially if they draw like Atletico or some team that could kind of come in sort of out of sorts or hasn't been consistent. They got PSG. That they could win that they could win that PSG. They the thing about PSG is that they never really play a whole lot of other really good teams until you get to the Champions League. Uh, and our fun sports clip of the week this week is going to be a Neymar clip that you're going to have to watch three times to figure out what he does with the ball. Uh, but they they kind of uh, you know, everybody gets up for PSG because they think they can beat them. So I heard. Uh, and you're typically the guy I go to to see if soccer rumors have any truth behind them. I heard there's some talk about Ronaldo joining PSG next year. Yeah, sure. I mean, that would be that is uh, been heavily rumored. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. For him or for them? 
while really for both of them, they're already playing, their formation is already like four attacking players, two midfielders, and then four defenders, which is usually not something that when you get to like this, the Champions League level, that works very well because teams like Liverpool are going to be fast enough to catch you out on the break uh, and score on you, quite frankly, because their defenders outside of Marquinhos just aren't aren't really quite at that level. Uh, if they if they get Ronaldo, there's no way that they can keep. They're going to have to probably just cut on Healthy Maria, uh, and they'll have to get rid of somebody because there's no way with financial fair play that you can have Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, and Cristiano Ronaldo on the same team. It'd be so That's, fun, though. They're going to win every game 7 nothing. don't – Monaco. Don't hate on the 4-2-4 wide formation. It's what I use on FIFA, and it wins me a lot of games. It, so, can work. it works because if you score three goals and they score two goals, then you still win. But at the, at the highest level of competition, when teams are as talented as you, that formation has some problems. Yeah, I like your pick of Bayern, though. If they can get by Barcelona, I like your they pick of Bayern. They have the best player in the world this year, Robert Lewandowski, who was the best player, in my opinion, should have would have won the Balloon d'Or if it had happened. Uh, kind of down years from Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. Although Messi was spectacular yesterday. Yeah. He was very vintage Messi. Did you see that goal he scored that got waved off? Yeah, I was watching it. That was absurd. He fell like three times. No, that goal counted. He had another one waved off. Oh, okay. I guess I, I saw it, and then I got the update on my phone. Amazing Messi goal is waved off, so I just assumed it was the first amazing Messi goal I saw. <laughs> no, but I you. guess when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me, especially when we're talking about Lionel fucking Messi. So Napoli just did not look like they were ready to play against a team like that, and they hadn't been good in some of the Serie A games uh, that I had watched. Uh, before this, just because it's on, because you can watch Serie A on uh, Serie A, ah, excuse me, ah. ESPN Plus. So, uh, Weston McKenney transfer roundup, real quick, because that's the big hot one. Uh, there have been a lot of rumors. He's taken a lot of meetings. He's flown to London and come back, and then not sat in on training, and then was, and then wasn't. It's been a, it's been a very tumultuous. Uh, run for Weston McKinney transfer rumor season. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it seems like Hertha Berlin might be the team. It seems like Southampton have some reservations. Uh, Monaco, has Monaco stepped into play a couple days ago? And we're, uh, I would like that. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, he, his style of play would really, would really like do some damage over there. He'd crush some teams in France, I feel like. Yeah. All right, well, no. Nah. No. What about, uh, anything in the week ahead that you're interested in, that you see coming down the turnpike that you think is going to be cool to watch? Yeah, well, first of all, we have uh, – the Tigers have a series against the White Sox, and then we're into the hardest part of our schedule. Um, we go back-to-back games against the Cardinals, then three straight versus the Indians, four versus the White Sox, three versus the Indians – uh, three versus the 10 and three Cubs, and then four versus the Twins. So the next two weeks of Tigers baseball are going to decide if this is a real start to the season or if we were just bullshitting everybody for a week and a half to get everybody excited. Um, other than that, we are nine days away from the NBA playoffs. So probably next week you will see us predict an entire playoff bracket all the way first round through the NBA finals. Because uh, we're there. It's it's five, four months late, but we're finally there, man. The season ends August 14th. That's when the last game is going to be played. 
Uh, and then maybe it might be next Sunday. We're probably the way it's looking. We're probably going to have a play-in game for that eight seed in the Western Conference. Uh, so cool. those are things to look forward to over the next week. Obviously, just listening about football. We'll see what's coming up. Uh, college football is not happening, so stop dreaming. I see people getting excited on the internet. There's no chance. We've been saying this for months. Yeah, it, just use your brain. Use your yeah. brain. <laughs> it's too dangerous for an unpaid intern to go fucking. And play uh, and now we're also starting to see a little bit of like the college players themselves are pushing back. Uh, and they yeah, as they should. And yeah, the NCAA wasn't going to do testing. It sounds like, or at least not like any amount of serious testing. Not like oh, I didn't even hear that. Every other day testing. Yeah, man. It <laughs> the yeah. Uh, College football, don't 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 expect it. NFL. I mean, there we are thirty two days away from when kickoff of week one is supposed to be for the NFL. So we're getting close. We're gonna see over the next four weeks exactly how that goes. Uh, but go Tigers, man. Go Tigers over the next week. If the Tigers go five hundred, the the you should start to get excited because yes. those teams are playing a real, and the Cubs have been pretty good. Cubs uh, have been damn good. The Twins have been amazing. The Indians have been good enough. The only way to beat the Cubs is to score seven runs in the first four innings uh, and hope that the bullpen doesn't bail them out, basically. Yeah, so. Which is likely. That bullpen sucks. Yes. All right, well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to the show. For myself, Andrew Norris, your host, and Double P, producer Parker, go check us out on Spotify. We're officially on Spotify. Go like it. Go subscribe. Also, of course, you're probably watching us on YouTube or Facebook. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week, Tuesday at 8 o'clock. We should be on Apple Pods by the time this goes up and all of the other stuff. We should be all the way up on all of your pod listening places. Okay. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Here's your awesome sports clip of the week. Peace. Production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.